every company at this point has competitors. There's not, you can't really get away in this environment today where there's over like 10,000 different um, B2B MarTech companies out there. You can't get away with being the only choice anymore. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying their Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast. I'm Seiya, growth marketer at Advanced B2B, and I'm joined again by my partner in crime, content marketing strategist Reeta. Today we'll talk about competitive intelligence. Actually, moment of truth, raise your hand wherever you are if this is how you do competitor analysis. Step one, look at your competitor's website. Step two, create a table to compare features. Step three, jot down their main messages and value propositions. And you're done. I'm not gonna lie, it sounds pretty familiar and I feel that most marketers are only scratching the surface when they do competitive intel that way. And this is precisely why we decided to invite Andrew Makaro-Bigno, head of competitive intelligence at ClickUp to tell us how to do competitive intel the right way. And boy, did he deliver. He shared gems on how to conduct competitive intel research that will actually impact your revenue. If after listening to the episode, you're left hungering for more, you can follow Andy on LinkedIn or listen to his podcast where he deep dives into competitive intel. So sit back and enjoy episode 89 of the Growth Hub podcast with Andy from ClickUp. Hello, Andy, and welcome to the SaaS Growth Hub podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) We're so glad you're here. Now, um, we've all done SWOT analysis back at school. We've run competitive analysis at some point in our careers. Uh, But in reality, this is kind of only covering the surface of competitive intelligence. And quite frankly, I think that most marketers have no idea how to do this, how to do competitive intelligence right. Um, But that's why you're here today with us. Hopefully you can show us the right way to go go forward from here. So if I let's let's kind of set the scene. If I uh, go over my competitors websites, pull their features, their unique selling points, kind of their main messages, and I put them into a Google sheet. Am I doing competitive intelligence? Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are doing it. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> However, so I have to I have to add a but in but. there. But we need to make sure that you're doing a couple of other things as well. So the, the number one thing that I would say that you need to make sure you're doing correctly is that you need to make sure that you're researching the right competitors, the right vendors. Um, I think a lot of companies sometimes can be a little iffy or a little bit confused on who they're actually competing against. Sometimes it can be vendors in the exact same space as them, right? So like you think of kind of, uh, when we think of competitors, we think of companies that are very similar to us, offering the exact same thing or something very similar, Um, similar go-to-market motions, maybe similar uh, in terms of just brand awareness, brand recognition. Um, So that in a lot of cases, those are the people or the companies that we are competing against. However, sometimes we're competing against legacy uh, providers who might be in a completely different category than than you're actually in. And so that could be one of the bigger competitors that you need to be spending more time researching. 
Um, you could also be up against the the decision of doing nothing and not really going forward with anyone in your space, let alone uh, your most top competitor. And so it's essentially what you need to be doing is figuring out, okay, who are we who are we really losing to at the end of the day? Um, who is impacting or what is impacting our revenue the most? Because just like marketing or sales or any of these other larger, departments, um, it, it all goes back to revenue for competitive intelligence. Um, and so that would be the one thing that I would make sure that you're doing correctly is just knowing uh, the right companies or um, um, or things that are impacting your revenue the most and then researching those things as much as possible. And then number two, you know, you mentioned like putting uh, some of the features or the unique selling points into like a Google sheet. So that that's great, right? We want to document some of these things, but we also want to make sure that we're like delivering uh, our findings in a really a packaged way to specific teams in a way that that they're actually going to understand and that they're going to read and interpret. Nobody wants to get just like a massive newsletter with, oh, competitor X released Y feature, da 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 da. I don't, that's probably not the best way of actually like describe, but I think you can kind of imagine just like this very stuffy kind of newsletter of just mm -hmm. all of these different updates going across. Like who really cares? Why does it matter to me? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's what everyone really wants to understand. Like what, why does this matter to me? And you'll find that sales has a different why this matters. Product teams have a different why. Executive leadership, they have a different why. And so you need to understand really who you're actually delivering these insights to and then tailoring the insights so that it's actually going to be interesting for these different teams to actually be interpreting and understanding. I like what you just said about the competitors. And I'm kind of curious to see what you say to this. Um, I, I'm sure sometimes you come across with, you meet companies where they tell you that, oh, we don't have any competitors. Is that right? Do you mean yeah. see them? Yeah. yeah, 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 that's that's probably my, that's one of the bigger things that I'm like a little bit, um, so I'm, I'm usually a pretty uh, warm and, and kind <laughs> person. At least I try to like give off that, that vibe, but that is one thing where I, I'm pretty outspokenly against. I really feel like everyone, every company at this point has competitors. There's not, you can't really get away in this environment today where there's over like 10,000 different um, B2B MarTech companies out there. I'm imagining that this is, you know, predominantly the audience that's listening to this podcast at this point. Um, but you know, there, there are so many different options out there for different buyers to consider. Essentially, there's, um, you can't get away with being the only choice anymore. Like you might've been able to seven or eight years ago. Um, there is really a an infinite number of options. And so you you really can't get away with saying, oh, we don't really have any competitors. And so I like hear no evil, see no evil. You have to, you have to actually do something about it. And so um, in my opinion, those are the leaders that like I want to be working with, that I want to be investing into. It's the ones that uh, really understand the external threats uh, to their company, are able to transparently share those threats with the people that they work with, with their investors, and then are actually able to create some sort of strategy to address that threat and win more. And so that's, that would be my response to, we don't have any competitors. Cool. Um, well, um, what would you say is the difference between the poor and comprehensive competitive intelligence? Poor and, so here's the thing with, 
with competitive intelligence today, like the state of competitive intel, I guess we, we, should, we should call it. Um, I think, to be honest, a lot of companies are doing exactly kind of what you mentioned when you first intro when you first introed me, right? So like we're, we're looking at websites, awesome. We're trying to pull different feature functionality and understand the product of the competitors that we're competing against, great. Um, we're trying to understand their unique selling points, main messaging, pulling it into a Google sheet. That's awesome. Um, however, when it comes to like really like building out something comprehensive, it, it, the way I try to think about it is in terms of uh, pretty much like three steps. Okay. So we have like the research portion, which I would say predominantly is what most companies do fairly well. Most companies know where they need to go in order to find different um information about their competitors, right? Uh, you can go to their website, you can go to G2 and check out different um, customer reviews. You can uh, set like a Google alert and you can like go through different PRs. Um, where companies I think fall short is when they're actually um, delivering some of those insights internally. And they're trying to figure out the why, the why it really matters. Um, and so, it, in order to really deliver that well, you need to have a firm understanding of like where the company is going and what's actually important. You need to be able to, you know, you need to be collaborating with other departments fairly consistently. This isn't one of those roles where I think traditionally people think of competitive intel as this kind of behind the scenes, like CIA almost uh, role that is maybe just going straight up to leadership reporting straight up there and not really talking with anybody else. Um, it's That's not the case anymore. Competitive Intel today is very much aligned with what most departments are doing and then is trying to understand, okay, like here's where the company is going. Here's our goals. Now, what are competitors doing? And are they doing things that might interfere with the overall direction and strategy of our company? Uh, or are they doing things that are kind of, you know, they're, they're going on their own way? And then anything that interferes, right, with the company's strategy, that's really like what we have to like figure out. Okay, uh, how big of an impact is this going to make on our company? Is this something that we should be responding to? Is this something that we can ignore? Um, so that's that's like the big next step that I think a lot of companies are missing is that kind of interpretation of what is going on in the field in terms of competitive activity. Now the next step beyond that is then delivering that information. Uh, externally. So the first, you know, when I, when I was talking about like interpreting competitive activity, most of that's internal to the company and making sure that everyone is aligned with like, Hey, here's what competitor X is doing, competitor Y is doing. Um, and here's what we may maybe need to be thinking about in terms of like this product release or whatever it is that the company is doing. But then there's also this other concept of like how you're going to be positioning the company externally in a way that other customers and prospects might be interpreting the company as well relative to competitors. And so that's like one pagers, uh, landing pages, campaigns, uh, G2 profile grids and all that kind of stuff. Like all the things that like you and I might see from uh, any other like B2B SaaS company that helps us understand, okay, like how is this company different from their main competitors? Right. So we had like the research, we have the almost like digesting of that information. And then we have like the uh, the creation of different like collateral and deliverables. Those are kind of the three steps that I think uh, really encapsulate comprehensive competitive intelligence. And it just kind of continues on in a loop.
you know, once you're done spitting out that collateral, then you can kind of go through that main research phase again and just goes all over again. That is such a sweet talk. I love that. <laughs> but how would you, how, what, would, what would be the kind of, um, is the interval probably the best word to kind of use in this case that how often would you actually need to do this kind of refresh your intelligence and that? Yeah. So that's one of those interesting things where it's not like a very, it's not like I'm going through, okay, this week I'm going through the research phase. Next week I'm going through the, you're kind of doing all three at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, you're always, you know, I should say always, you know, if assuming that you have the bandwidth and you have the proper resources, um, which we can get into, that's a completely separate thing. Like competitive Intel needs its own resources and budget, but assuming that you have that, you should be able to constantly be able to uh, research what your competitors are doing, have a firm understanding of their strategies. And I, like I said, knowing your own strategy as well, and then being able to share this information on a very consistent basis, not just um, with your immediate team, like with product marketing, but right with sales, with product, with, uh, with marketing, and then creating different assets to make sure that they're being successful as well. So you kind of have to balance all three. But the reason that I kind of, uh, I share them separately is because it, it's a little bit easier to imagine. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit more of like a cohe, it's almost like a funnel in a way where you're kind of digesting all this information and then you're kind of filtering through it to make sure that you're only taking action on the really important pieces. That, uh, thanks for going over that process. Maybe we'll we'll get to that a bit more later. But I was wondering, uh, is there something in competitive intelligence that uh, companies are doing that they sh they should just stop doing? Or maybe there's something. Is there something that everybody should be doing that they are not doing at the moment? I love this question because. Um... To be honest, I don't want anybody to stop anything that they're doing with competitive <laughs> intelligence. I want people to be doing more, to be honest. And because this is one of those, like, I feel like most companies do competitive intelligence. They do a lot of the things that you mentioned. A lot of people are naturally very curious to understand, hey, what, what is it that these other similar vendors to us are doing? Um, but where people usually stumble is just getting really organized and getting on the same page as other departments. Um, when I came to ClickUp, for example, I was blown away at how competitive everyone was. Like one of the most competitive organizations I've ever like seen. Just everyone was very like laser focused on, on who they were up against, why. It was lots of conversation going on. There's like a competitors Slack channel. It was very active, but, but where I think it was falling down without somebody to actually own the competitive Intel function was there's a lot of different um, opinions and perceptions of who they're actually up against. And so there, in my opinion, there was a lot of wasted effort being put on the wrong competitors on different information that they really didn't need to be worrying about. And so that's really like where I think a lot of companies need to take the next step. Somebody needs to own competitive Intel and actually be able to tell you, hey, this thing is, it's really interesting, um, but we should probably be paying a little bit more attention to this thing over here instead. And here's why. Um, because again, I, I think that it's really important that everyone is in tune and is involved. Um, competitive Intel is definitely one of those things where the more people are collaborating with you, the better the program is. And so I definitely want, like, keep that up. Like, I definitely want everyone to be participating and sharing their insights. But we all we all have to make sure that we're like 
keeping our our eye on the ball, so to speak. You know, we got to make sure that we're actually putting energy into the things that are actually going to drive the company forward and not just different distractions. And so that'd be that'd be the biggest thing um, that I think um, most companies should be doing more of is just organizing and curating a little bit more. So I want to ask this already now, but who should actually own this competitive intelligence? Who's who's the owner of it? Yeah, that, and that's a great question too. And I can only really speak from like the the fast growing kind of startup almost realm of B2B. And in, in those cases, I've really only seen it work with product marketing. And the reason that I think it works really well with product marketing is because um, competitive Intel and product marketing both pretty much contribute to positioning of the company. Um, and when a startup is you know establishing themselves within the market like the positioning of the company is usually pretty fluid they're trying to figure out okay like what is who are we and who are we best for and in most cases product marketing and competitive intel they're able to really help the company kind of figure out who they are and so working with each other that makes the most sense to me now i could see once a company ipos or they get you know, beyond a certain headcount, you know, they have an understanding of who they are. Uh, it's fairly cemented in the company culture. I could see it potentially being something that rolls up directly to a separate strategic uh, leadership team kind of a thing. Uh, but I'm, I'm not 100% privy to, to that world. And so I can't really speak here there. All I can say is that I've seen it work very well for product marketing. Well, let's continue with that because, I mean, we are all marketers here and, and a lot of our listeners are as well. So what do you think is the is the role that marketing specifically should play in competitive intelligence? Yeah. So let me think here. I think that the role that marketing should play is likely just making sure that the the that the strategy that the competitive intel is actually laying out is actually getting you know it is actually being distributed in an easy to digest way for prospects and customers and so it's almost like that bottom of the funnel kind of aspect of uh you know when i was talking about the process that competitive intel works i feel like the very bottom where you're creating collateral creating uh, different landing pages and different uh, campaigns that's really like where marketing can work alongside competitive intel it's like really like the messaging piece and making sure that it aligns with you know other assets or materials that the company is is putting out i think that's one piece and then separately i think that um in a lot of cases right marketing and product marketing what when they're building out buyer personas it's really important for them to be brainstorming with competitive intel to have an understanding of, of like okay so Buyer persona A might be thinking about different competitors than buyer persona B. And so therefore, we're going to have to create different messaging for both of these folks. And so it's really important for uh, marketing and uh, competitive intelligence to be working alongside each other just to make sure that right they're both aligned on the competitors that they're specifically up against and that they're aligned on the messaging that they're, you know, that they're going to ultimately be um, uh, promoting towards that persona. All right. So there is a tendency in marketing and sales that everything has to be measured and you have to show the impact of almost everything you do. So should you measure competitive intelligence? And if yes, 
how do you do that? And uh, how do you measure the impact of dollars? Yes, measure. Yes, measure. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody wants to measure everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the only way that you can really uh, secure more resources for, for your program. Uh, and so uh, there's a couple of different ways that you can uh, that you can measure. I think and I'll start with the easiest one first. The, the easiest way to measure the impact of competitive intelligence is with sales confidence. So when you first start up your competitive intelligence initiative, it could be when you're first joining as a specific competitive intelligence specialist, or it can be right before you start implementing some CI specific um, initiatives, if you're a product marketer or something like that. Um, highly recommend that you survey your sales team and just ask them a handful of questions similar like uh if i could give out a couple of examples it would just be like hey so on a scale of one to ten or one to five whatever how confident are you when a competitor gets brought into the conversation okay now on a scale of one to five uh how confident are you when competitor x uh gets mentioned competitor y competitor z like throw in the specific competitors that you have have essentially figured out, okay, these are the, the top competitors that we're aware of, right? Um, and then ask your salespeople directly, like, how do you feel when when uh, these competitors get brought up into a deal? And then you're going to get some really interesting information. Um, if you haven't done much in the way of competitive intelligence or competitive enablement, I would not be surprised if you get answers that are like two or three out of five, right? I mean, like if... if if sellers don't have the training, then yeah, they're they're not going to feel super confident about you know talking about a specific competitor, um, especially if you're in a really crowded space. Um, if you throw like, hey, do you know about competitor X into a random conversation and you you'd never heard of them, like what are you supposed to say? Like you're going to get flabbergasted. It's just like a natural mm -hmm. human response, and so you're probably not going to have very high scores there. And so once you have an understanding of who they're not feeling great about then you can start putting initiatives into place into making them feel more confident, right? You can do more sales training. You can create better internal like battle cards to make sure that they're saying the right things that's aligned with, again, the company strategy, the company messaging, that you're highlighting the right pieces of the product to make sure that you're differentiating from the competitor. And then as you go along, then you should survey them again. So maybe six months later, survey them again with the exact same questions and then again, likely you will get higher uh, scores just because again, you've been putting effort towards making sure that they feel better about the competitors that they said that they didn't feel too too great about. Um, when I did that click up, they were feeling really uh, confident about a handful of competitors, really not confident about other competitors that were still being brought up in a lot of deals. And so you can probably guess where I put most of my focus over the past six months. It's on those competitors that are getting mentioned but prospects and customers, uh, but aren't, you know, but our sellers aren't feeling too great about. And so when I survey them again in about a month, I'm going to feel really good about the results when they come back saying like, oh yeah, we feel a lot better about these competitors. So that's one. And that's important because sales is really close to revenue and you want to get as close to revenue as possible. Um, the second piece is direct support for sales okay so um, we have a process at clickup where um, sellers can essentially in salesforce go in and request specific support competitive support um, on their opportunities and so you can say like okay i need competitive support in the way of custom collateral 
or I need like an internal brainstorming session with you to try to figure out like how should I approach this prospect or this deal, whatever, or I need you to hop on a call with me. And out of that, you know, you can directly say like, okay, now when I'm reporting on all of the opportunities that I've had an impact on, here they are, here are the ones that were closed one. And you can like directly attribute your efforts into closed one revenue. And so that's, that's another way that I would go. But the reason that I say that one second is because it usually takes a little bit more time to actually build out the process within Salesforce and making sure that sellers can actually go through it and they feel comfortable with you. Um, and so if you had to start with one, I would do sales confidence. And then as you earn trust within the organization, as you kind of get your feet wet in the competitive world, then you can start getting a little bit closer to revenue by building out that Salesforce process or CRM process in general, whatever. Yeah, that, that's super interesting. I never thought that you could do it that way. Um, I, I want to go back to that process that you've kind of mentioned a couple of times now. Um, if, if somebody's, if a product marketer or whoever is in a company and they are just starting the competitive intelligence initiative, they haven't necessarily done very much or nothing at all. Well, most likely they've done what I described at the beginning of the episode, but like they want to do more and they want to start doing different things. Where should they start? Where should they put their focus on? Yeah. So the first thing that you need to do is just gather the facts, which is essentially, right, you got to listen to the calls that sellers are, are taking, which if you have a call recording tool like, like Chorus or Gong, you can do that really easily. Um, or you can just survey your sales team and just say, hey, who are you running up against most? Um, you can do that. You can try to, like, it, there's a lot of free ways that you can do this. You can uh, just Google your company name versus and see what the auto fill looks like. So again, what I'm trying to do at the, in the very beginning is make sure that I'm actually researching the right competitors. Um, we're going back to like the very beginning, right? Um, and so those are a few different ways that you can kind of get a, a good sense of where to start. Um, as you build out the program, another thing that you're going to want to think about implementing is a win-loss program. And this is, I think, another really important thing that competitive Intel should own specifically. Um, because again, it, it helps really understand, it helps you understand, okay, for those closed lost businesses, really who are people going to? Is it actually going to be another competitor within your category? Is it going to be nobody at all? Is it going to be a completely different technology that you don't typically compete with? That's what happened uh, a couple jobs ago at, at zoom info when we were we because zoom info is a category leader and um when people usually think of data we were very um i, I shouldn't say lucky because they they worked super hard to become the category leader but we we're <laughs> uh we were able to uh, essentially get to a place where when most people thought about data they think of zoom info which is awesome um and so when we were trying to figure out like, okay, win-loss from a win-loss perspective, like who are we actually losing to? We actually found that a decent number of companies, rather than uh, losing to a specific competitor, we were actually losing to just like other initiatives within the company. Maybe the company was trying to figure out if they needed a CRM or if they needed data first. Uh, we should probably get HubSpot first and then, and then we can come back to Zoom Info down the road. We actually found a ton of different information about, you know, these other non-data specific competitors. It was like, okay, well, we need to 
create more resources that speak to, hey, no, like you actually do need data earlier on as before potentially a CRM or a marketing automation because you need the data to fuel those things. Anyway, you create different positioning or messaging to actually compete against those other uh, situations. So long story short, you know, essentially just make sure that you're, you're, you're actually creating different messaging and you're actually creating different initiatives that are actually solving um, who you're going to be competing against the most. That's really where you should be starting because everything after that, if you're, if you're moving in the wrong direction, a lot of it's going to be uh, wasted time. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, you, you've shared your, your process with us and kind of your tips and tricks on where, where to start. Do you have uh, specific frameworks you use in your, in your work or you, um, something you might want to share with some of the listeners we have here? Am I allowed to plug stuff? <laughs> can I plug something right now? Okay, you can, but uh, we we will um, we'll edit it out if it's too bad. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So no, go so, for it. Go for it. Okay, okay, okay. So um, the my big like process that I or I guess framework is called the competitive playbook, and it's essentially like uh, if you go to competitiveplaybook.com. It's a course that should take like 90 minutes for you to really understand, okay, like how can I build a competitive program from scratch and get it set up in like a 30 day period. Uh, I think in a lot of cases, people just really need like to, from top to bottom, need to understand like what I just talked about, kind of like that funnel of like, where should I be researching? How, who should I be aligning with and what should I be delivering? And so the competitive playbook is essentially that framework. But if I, if I were to sum it up for you, it would be that kind of you know, research process, making sure that you're researching the right competitors, make sure that you're aligning with the right teams of so sales, customer marketing, uh, uh, leadership, um, marketing in general, right? So that's kind of what I, what I call that collaboration or that alignment is um, the competitive Intel flywheel. Because as you create those different relationships with these different departments, they're gonna start feeding information back to you. And like things that they're starting to hear from the field, things that um, they're starting to see from customers. And again, competitive Intel is all about collaborating with other people within the company to understand you know, what, what they're seeing specifically too. And so um, that's the second piece in making sure that you can deliver things that are going to actually bring value to their roles and then uh, beyond that delivering things that are going to create a differentiated perspective of your company in the minds of prospects and customers right and so again one pagers uh, landing pages campaigns and, and I have templates and all that kind of stuff on how you can actually build those things out in the competitive playbook but um, that's that's really where I would I would start and if if you don't want to go down that path and there's a ton of different other free resources on uh, that are provided by other competitive intel companies like crayon.co clue um clue with a k they they have really awesome blogs on just building out you know your competitive program and so um if that's the route that you want to take then that's perfectly fine as well product marketing alliance too they have a bunch of really great resources that you can check out for for creating a competitive intel program 
Great. Um, any kind of words of warning uh, for companies about any potential potholes they might fall into when they start doing competitive intelligence? What should they be looking out for? My question exactly. <laughs> <laughs> potholes. Uh, one second. That's right. Okay. So, um, sorry, I had to look into my notes. Um, that's no, cool. that's fine. That's cool. Uh, in terms of potholes, there's there's essentially two that I would I would warn against. One is I think, and this kind of falls into what I think is traditional competitive intel or how companies traditionally handle it, um, is just kind of like, okay, we need to. It's that time of year again. Time to update all of our competitive collateral and have a really good understanding of who we're up against, kind of a thing. And so, okay, like product marketing team, do you have someone that has some time on their hands? Okay, cool. You, you, let's handle these things for two weeks and then we'll call it good for the year. Uh, so it's that inconsistency. Uh, competitive Intel has gotten to the point where things are happening every single day. Companies are getting acquired. They're announcing new features and functionality that are competing directly with what you. Are building and shipping and your sellers need more information to actually combat that and win deals and so um, you need to be really consistent with your competitive program it's not something that you can just uh, try to put a band-aid on every year and then call it good this is something that you need to be able to deal with every single day uh, so that's the first thing it's inconsistency that'd be the pothole uh, the second one is um, not bundling the your your insights in a way that fits the audience. So we have to kind of put our marketer's hat on for this, right? And you have to really understand who am I who am I actually sharing these insights for? Uh, who am I sharing it with? What do they actually care about? Okay? So if I'm going to pretend that I'm a seller and I'm on a call with a prospect who's asking me specifically, "Oh, hey, so what's the difference between you and competitor X?" What does that salesperson want? Do you think that they want a massive feature comparison table and uh, a, a SWOT analysis? Probably not. That's probably not the thing that they want to have to like, oh, uh, it says that our strengths are X, Y, Z, and we have this feature and they don't. Like that's, it, that's not going to be helpful on a sales call. What they're going to want is probably a couple of bullets that really help you understand quickly uh, the things that are different and are valuable that you offer that the competitor doesn't. And something that could potentially also just bring the conversation back to you as opposed to the competitor. And so that's what you need. In, in, when you're building out a battle card, right, you need to take those things into account. Like what is, it something, what is something that our sales team actually needs and could actually gain value from? Now that really in-depth feature comparison matrix the product team would probably love that. And so don't throw those feature comparisons away. It's just you need to make sure that you're delivering the right things to the right teams. Executives, they probably also don't care about the feature comparison. They probably <laughs> care about, hey, who are we actually running up against? Like, uh, who are we losing against? What are some things that we could do um, to prioritize winning more against those? Like, what are some recommendations that you have? What are some other things that companies are doing that we're not doing? Okay, so again, just think about who you're actually delivering these insights to and what they might like. And you can, that, I think that that's usually how competitive intel gets a little bit more love from the rest of the organizations when they started thinking about like, okay, 
what, the, what does this person actually want? And when that happens, then you can start aligning with everyone, collaborating with everyone. You can get more resources. And yeah, it, it gets a lot easier when, when you start thinking that way. Now, Andy, this has been a great conversation, but before we let you go, we, we have our kind of traditional fast five questions that we ask from all of our guests. So essentially, we're just going to shoot um, five really shoot questions at your way and you can answer whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yep, let's do it. What book or books are you currently reading? Uh, the one that I'm reading right now is Eat Their Lunch by Anthony Ian Arino, I think is his last name. I might be pronouncing that wrong, but um, it's a really interesting book. It's it's no surprise. It's kind of about competitive intelligence, but it's more from the uh, from the perspective of sales teams. And so, how can you go in and eat your competitors' lunch, so to speak, um, win business away from your competitors, that kind of stuff? And so, it's a lot more tactical towards the sales ends of end of end of things. Sorry. <laughs> a sauce company you love and why? I love Winter, W-Y-N-T-E-R. Um, they post really, really valuable free content around messaging and differentiation. Highly recommend giving them uh, a look. What is your favorite place to read about growth? Oh, Product Marketing Alliance. They post some good stuff. And they have a really good Slack channel too. So go and check that out if, if uh, you're interested. What is the most important growth metric? Revenue. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> is there any other answer? <laughs> um, what is your best piece of advice for fellow sauce marketers? Okay. I'm going to put my Cal Newport hat on. If you don't know who Cal Newport is, he's an incredible writer. Um, but the advice is be so good. They can't ignore you. And so if you read his book, so good, they can't ignore you. It's all about um, essentially doubling down on the thing that you are really interested in, um, that you feel like you're really good at. And then when, you know, as you double down, then you essentially get quote unquote, so good that other people can't ignore you. And so whether that's competitive Intel, whether that's another kind of subset of product marketing or sales or, or whatever, I highly recommend doing that being really specialized in, in one specific area, um, in your company. That that book was incredibly influential to me. Um, I know that there's sometimes like a little bit of like a uh, kind of like a versus attitude on, on being generalized versus specialized. So this is more of like the specialized path. Um, not to say that people who are generalists, um, that's, that they're wrong by any means, but I've really personally found this book and that way of working to be super valuable in my career. And so that's what I would say. So be so good that they can't ignore you. Hey, uh, it's been great to talk to you. Um, yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. This was super fun. This was fun. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that everybody who's listening will get amazing advice from this, this episode. So thank you. It was very inspiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had a lot yeah. of fun. And, I, and that anything, as long as I can promote competitive intel, competitive enablement, then then I've done my job. And so appreciate <laughs> y'all having me on. That's it. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Let's keep the conversation going on Twitter at SARS Growth Hub or LinkedIn at the SARS Growth Hub podcast. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe to Growth Hub on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or YouTube.